Not that you would want to take one to lunch, or could, but this is National Dinosaur Day. Welcome back to another Textonation interview. I'm Fred Fishkin, and joining us is world-renowned paleontologist and National Geographic explorer, Dr. Nizar Ibrahim. Hi, Nizar. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to see you. So this is going to get lots of kids and grown-ups excited. What is National Dinosaur Day? Well, it's a celebration of all things dinosaurs. Um, and really, I think every day of the year should be a, a dinosaur day. Um, but it's just, a, you know, a, an opportunity to celebrate these incredible animals. You know, they're very popular. They're Hollywood stars. Um, but I think we sometimes forget that they are also one of nature's greatest success stories. Well, since they're not with us anymore, explain why you call them a success story. Well, you know, I think one thing we have to remember is that um, we're all going to go extinct sometime, right? I mean, all um, species go extinct at some point. It's just a part of, of life, right? Extinction is a part of life. Um, but dinosaurs really had a very good run. They were around for an incredibly long time, and they really dominated life on planet Earth. Um, and of course, mammals were around at the time. We often think of mammals as, as, you know, inherently superior. But then, of course, mammals quite literally lived in the shadows of the dinosaurs for a very, very long time. And they only got their lucky break um, at the end, you know, uh, after the end Cretaceous extinction event. Um, so I think that's one thing worth uh, remembering. Another thing worth remembering is that, you know, we, we think of dinosaurs as, you know, you know the symbols of, of you know, extinction. And, and for some people, symbols of failure. But um, as I said, they were successful for a very long time, you know, dominating an evolving planet with moving continents and fluctuations in sea levels and climate. Um, but also, they did not really all go extinct. Um, one branch of the dinosaur tree made it through the extinction event. And those are the animals we now call birds. We now know that uh, some dinosaurs were feathered. Uh, many key features of the bird skeleton already found in dinosaurs. Um, so it is scientifically um, absolutely correct to say that birds are dinosaurs. They're surviving dinosaurs. And, you know, there are more bird species than mammal species in the world today. So again, I think that's just another sign that, um, you know, dinosaurs really are a big success story. And what's the, the talk we've been hearing about uh, T-Rex having feathers or a feathered T-Rex? Well, uh, we, we now know that many dinosaurs were feathered um, and there's some evidence suggesting that the, the origin of feathers um, goes way back in time. Um, it's a little tricky figuring out which dinosaurs were feathered and which ones weren't. For some dinosaurs, we know without a shadow of a doubt that they had feathers. Um, we have some uh, incredible fossils from China, for example, uh, preserved in volcanic ash and you can see uh, feathers and in some animals, feather-like integument. Um, but in other dinosaurs, we find evidence for scaly skin, right? Like the, the dinosaur behind me. Um, um, so it depends. With T-Rex, we know that a fully grown T-Rex had patches of scaly skin, um, but it's quite likely that a young or a baby T-Rex would have had a downy, fluffy feathering, uh, feather covering. Um, so even T-Rex was probably quite, uh, you know, cuddly, cuddly animal at some stage of, of its life. 
You know, why do you think there's this fascination that especially kids have? Well, I think dinosaurs are, you know, like real life dragons, right? They are very different from the animals on our planet today. So that's certainly part of the appeal. Um, they are also, you know, I, I think for me as a kid, um, it was just a real adventure, just discovering these incredible lost worlds that I didn't even know existed. You know, I mean, modern animals are incredible and interesting, but seeing all of these ancient lost worlds, it was just like, you know, this, this huge, um, you know, uh, universe of incredible ecosystems um, you can explore as a kid. Um, I think that's certainly part of the appeal. Of course, some of them are ferocious and big. Um, I don't think that the size of dinosaurs is really as important as people think it is. You know, some of the most popular dinosaurs are pretty small animals like Velociraptor, for example. Um, and, you know, I think what, what I find interesting is that it is actually a pretty universal appeal. You know, we often think of, of dinosaur, uh, you know, of dinomania as something that primarily affects, you know, kids and, you know, in particular, you know, boys. Um, but I think, you know, we're now seeing that it's, it's pretty universal, you know, when a new dinosaur movie comes out, you know, the people going to watch the movie, it's like a cross section through society, right? It's everybody loves dinosaurs at the end of the day. Well, there is another one coming out and uh, the, the, another in the Jurassic series. What are your thoughts about it? Uh, well, the, the whole series. I think the original Jurassic Park movie um, was you know, is a very good movie um, in many different ways in terms of the cinema, cinematography, uh, the storytelling, um, you know, everything. And I think there was a real effort and it's, you can still, you can see it to portray dinosaurs as real animals, right? Versus, you know, movie monsters. Um, of course, you had to have some ferocious scenes, uh, you know, with the predatory dinosaurs, but, you know, there was a real effort there. And it was a pretty good portrayal of what we knew about dinosaurs in the early 90s. Um, you know, some of the more recent movies, I think, have put less emphasis on, on, on scientific accuracy. Um, but, you know, I think it's easy to poke holes um, when it comes to the scientific content. Um, but that's not really what these movies are about, right? It's entertainment. And, and you know, and these movies entertain many people. And I think as paleontologists, we have to be careful um, not to come across as these kind of nitpicky scientists just saying, oh, this is wrong and this is wrong. I think we should celebrate these movies, right? And uh, because, you know, there's no other area in science that's gen that generates this level of enthusiasm, right? I mean, the people go to the movies to see these, these Jurassic Park um, films because they want to see dinosaurs. You know, they don't go there because they want to see a certain actor. Um, they go to see these movies because they want to see dinosaurs. And I think that's something worth celebrating. And, you know, after the people see the movie, you know, they might go to the Natural History Museum. They might go and watch a real, you know, documentary film and learn more about the real science of dinosaurs. So I think it's a great gateway to, to science um, and, you know, paleontology specifically. Tell us about the, some of the new science that's uh, changing our, our knowledge of dinosaurs and how they looked and lived. Well, we now know that um, dinosaurs were for, far more um, active and sophisticated animals than, than previously thought. 
Um, as I said, many of them had spectacular feathers and, um, you know, dinosaurs had, had beautiful display structures, not just feathers, but also frills and uh, crests and sails. Um, uh, they're very visual animals. So I think we have to move away from this picture we have of dinosaurs as these kind of gray or green lumbering giants um, towards, you know, colorful um, animals that look more like, like some colorful birds today. Um, we now also know that um, some dinosaurs um, invaded the aquatic world. Um, we used to think of dinosaurs as strictly terrestrial animals, but we now know that a couple of dinosaurs and maybe many more um, were specialized um, fish hunters in the water. Um, so we're kind of expanding the, 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 the world of the dinosaurs in, in other ways. Um, and, you know, we're learning more about their reproductive biology, figuring out the color of their eggs, you know, the herding behavior. Um, there's still always room for, for imagination and speculation. Um, but I think we're really getting close to a, a good holistic understanding of dinosaurs uh, without any, um, you know, prejudices and, and uh, you know, some of the things that have hampered our science in the past when people kind of thought, well, they're reptiles, so therefore they're kind of slow, lumbering, dim-witted failures of evolution. We're really far away from that. What, what's your sense? Do we know pretty much all there is to, to know about dinosaurs or is there much still hidden? There are countless treasures just waiting to be uncovered. Um, there's so much we don't know. I mean, that's the thing. It's really difficult because on the one hand, we are in a golden age of dinosaur discoveries and we are moving much closer to, um, uh, you know, an accurate picture of what dinosaurs were like. Um, but we've only found a fraction of all the dinosaur skeletons that can be found, right? It's difficult to put a number on it, but it's, it, you know, I would say we've really just scratched the surface. And if I think of, you know, about my own, hunting grounds in the Sahara Desert, for example, the Sahara is the size of the United States. And we've only been to a few places. I mean, you know, the, the number of skeletons that are still out there is, is staggering. So, you know, that's good news for young budding paleontologists. Um, you know, if, if you're worried that all the cool dinosaurs have been found, nothing could be further from the truth. There's still lots of amazing dinosaurs out there. Um, and so I think we are in a golden age, but it, it is important to remember that you know, we're still, it's still early days in some ways. Um, and, you know, we, we're light years away from, from the early representations of dinosaurs, but there's a lot of diversity that we don't know about yet, you know. Um, so, you know, I think the, the best days of dinosaur paleontology are, are still ahead of us. So for kids who are, are dreaming, tell us how cool your job is, even if it is in the Sahara. <laughs> Well, um, I think for me, it's the best job in the world. It's, it's, you know, it's not easy getting there. It takes a lot of work and patience and perseverance. But um, I think what I really enjoy about my job is that it's never really boring. You know, there's so many different things. One day, you know, you might be out in the Sahara digging for fossils. Another day, you're teaching students about, um, you know, the vertebrate skeleton. Um, on another day, you might be helping with a book project. Um, you know, I also uh, have speaking engagements. Uh, I work on documentary films and exhibits. Um, and that's something I really enjoy. You know, it, it also involves a lot of work 
with people outside of my area of expertise. So I work with animators and exhibit specialists and artists. Um, and, you know, that's, that's pretty amazing. And, and, and of course, you know, I'm not going to lie, having the opportunity to travel to far-flung corners of the world is, is a big part of the appeal for me. You know, I, when I was a kid, I always wanted to explore places like, like the Gobi Desert and the Sahara and Patagonia, all of those magical places. And as a paleontologist, you, you get to do just that. Terrific. Is there a place people can go to for more info? Uh, yeah, um, there are a couple of places, but one of the best places I would say the best starting point would be um, the National Geographic Kids uh, Prehistoric Life uh, website. So uh, it's kids.nationalgeographic.com slash animal slash prehistoric. Um, and you can find out the, the latest um, about dinosaur discoveries. You can find out more about um, dinosaur books. Um, there are dinosaur posters there, dinosaur quizzes, um, you know, dinosaur personality quiz, all sorts of things. Um, and, you know, as I said, my, my passion for dinosaurs started at a very uh, young age and it started with a book on dinosaurs. So I think that's really um, the best thing you can do if you have a budding paleontologist, get them a, a book on dinosaurs. I just finished working on a Nat Geo Kids book on T-Rex just out a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, uh, you know, that's where you find the latest science on T-Rex. So, yeah, I would say, you know, dinosaur books is, is the way to go if you want to nourish your kids' interest in these incredible animals. Well, congratulations on all of the work that you're doing and, and the education as well. Dr. Nizar Ibrahim, thank you for taking the time with us. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Now this. It takes a lot of listening to build a better radio, and that's just what the folks at Sea Crane have done. Bob Crane and his crew, nestled among the rivers and tallest trees in the world in Fortuna, California, have made a habit of listening to their customers, and that's just what they've done in building the CC Skywave SSB, the Swiss Army knife of portable radios. For everyday listening to AM or FM in the yard or patio or on the nightstand, Without having to drain a mobile phone battery, it's a great companion. But it is also a companion equipped for NOAA weather information and alerts that can be life-saving. You can listen to FEMA and Coast Guard transmissions too. Beyond all of that, you can tune into shortwave signals from around the world. It's compact, easy to take with you, and built to last. The CC SkyWave SSB. Click on the link at textonation.com.